Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. How about them Cowboys? Yeah. It's only one Oklahoma, and it ends with state. And it ends with state. We are back at it for an emergency podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham. Joined, as always, by Colby Powell. This is the Pistols Firing Podcast with the recent comments of Mike Boynton in the news. Uh, I thought we had to dust off the uh, the emergency pod. Colby sent out the uh, emergency emergency uh, bat signal for the emergency pod uh, last night. So here we are, Colby. Uh, here's my question. Do I sound old or do I sound young if I say Mike Boynton has officially spilt the tea? Uh, yeah, I think he's doing a little bit of shedding some light on his current situation while also, you know, passing some blame that, that, uh, you know, passing some blame that it's not all just his coaching and that there's other issues at large with the Oklahoma state as a university, as it comes to NIL again, Bill Haston wrote, uh, wrote an article criticizing him after the loss in Bedlam, which I guess prompted Mike Boynton to call him up, which led to another column. And then that, that, uh, had some really, what I thought were some jaw-dropping quotes, um, you know, talking about TCU coming in and taking two of their players in back-to-back years and Rondell Walker and Avery Anderson among some of the more enlightening quotes. He says they're bottom of the Big 12 and NIL funds. Uh, a lot in there, and he also had an availability on Thursday, uh, kind of went more into it, but also started to say a lot more that they needed to play better. I think he uh, realized how that looked in the media. But I guess just first off, Colby, uh, some some dro- jaw-dropping quotes that w- felt us uh, compelled to do an emergency pod. Yeah, I mean, a couple of the ones that stuck out to me, and, and I think it's really – I think some of these are going to be difficult in the locker room at this point in the season whenever he talks about talent acquisitions, um, whenever he says, you've watched a lot of sports, the teams with the better players, they're usually the ones who usually win. It's a simple rule of thumb. This is about talent acquisition and retention. And then he goes on in that Tulsa world um, story to talk about kind of, you know, the, the, the recruits, the transfers that he was getting previously. It mentions Bryce Thompson coming over from Kansas. It mentions Woody Newton coming over from Syracuse, Tyreek Smith coming over from Texas tech. And then the transfers coming in this year were from High Point, Texas State, East Carolina, North Florida, Jacksonville, significant drop. He has a quote in here. I didn't make a strategic decision to suddenly start recruiting guys from low major programs. Um, I don't know about you, man. I, I think a couple of these quotes, we'll get into some of the big picture stuff with the budget, but that kind of seems like mid-season to say some of these things. That's going to play pretty tough in the locker room. Yeah, these guys aren't good enough, but they're giving you everything they have. And you pretty much just came out and publicly said, look, the guys I'm working with right now, they're not good enough for us to compete in this league. And whether that's the case or not, I don't know that that's something that you really say out loud. So I've sung his praises for everything that he's done off the court. Um, And some of the things that he's talked about in this story with the budget, I think are very relevant. But I, I think he's walking a slippery slope talking about his current talent and then he has to walk into that locker room and get those guys ready to play BYU tomorrow. Yeah, that that um, to me is a bad look. I mean, the whole thing to me is a bad look. Mike Boynton has made zero missteps in terms of media appearances, public appearances. He has said and done all of the right things. This is his first misstep. And it comes off as excuse-making. It comes off as 
he came off pretty abrasive, I thought, in some of the quotes, you know, saying that they could bring in Billy Donovan in here and, um, you know, certain coaches like that, and they're still not going to win unless they fix their NIL. I, I don't believe that, Mike, and that, that history tells us otherwise. And and let, let me just get into my, my ultimate takeaway from here. So all the prefaces we usually say, we like Mike Boynton, blah, blah, blah. This is a big money business. This is college basketball. You're paid $3 million a year to win basketball games. And if Mike really wants to look inward as to why he is not one as a coach, number one, he is not a good coach in game situations. End of games are a disaster 99% of the time. Five, six minute stretches every single game. They're in a tight game of without a bucket, much less multiple buckets. Uh, that's first. Uh, he has not proven to be a good in game basketball coach. That is on him. But I think perhaps the biggest reason he hasn't won, and he's the one who has turned this conversation into talent acquisition. Let's go back throughout his tenure pre-NIL. I mean, he wants to blame NIL for this, which to me is laughable when you go through his recruiting. We all agree Mike Boynton is a good recruiter, right? Well, he can get the big names, the Cade Cunninghams, the Boone twins. Uh, It's easy to see those guys as good college basketball players. He has shown terrible evaluation throughout the rest of his roster i mean let's just go through some players here i'm going to call these the mike boynton all-stars and again i'm not trying to be derogatory to these players but they simply did not work out at oklahoma state Uh, how about these names let me let me read a name and see if you even remember who they are marcus watson uh vaguely yeah uh he had a rape allegation transferred never played a game transferred to mexico state how about can how about Kentrevius jones uh, that one actually doesn't ring a bell. Uh, he was dismissed along with Michael Weathers and Maurice Kalu. Do you remember the BB gun incident? I do, and I distinctly remember Oregon State Beaver Maurice Kalu. Yeah, so Contravius Jones transferred or was kicked off the team, never never played college basketball again. Uh, Duncan DeMuth. Uh, no, Duncan, Oklahoma is my only Duncan I'm familiar with. He transferred, big, tall, white guy, transferred to Vermont. Michael Weathers, also part of the BB gang. He was a big big recruit, uh, transfer from sophomore. Uh, he was supposed to be the next big thing after Kendall Smith. Hit hit the rocks, he, he's dismissed. Uh, how about Hitty Rosink? Uh, Scandinavian. I do vaguely remember. I remember them having a Scandinavian, but I don't know the first thing about him. Uh, t- couldn't play dead out of there. Went to Kansas City, played like one year. Uh, Jonathan Laurent. Laurent, I believe yep. he did exhaust his eligibility at Oklahoma State. I think he's one of the few, but he was a transfer, uh, didn't do a whole lot. Donovan Williams, remember that name? Uh, I do, yeah. Early injury with him, I think, was was tough. But yeah, didn't didn't materialize. And again, these are names of players who did not finish their careers at Oklahoma State that Mike Boynton brought in. That's that's This is the list. Uh, how about Farron Flavors? Oh, yeah, the uh, transfer Cal Baptist, I think. Three-point specialist who was not. Yeah, your an A. I remember your an A. Yeah, big tall guy. Couldn't do a lot. Couldn't play dead. D Mitchell. I remember D Mitchell. Yep. D- did not yep. finish his career at Oklahoma State. Russell Harrison brought him in. He was denied a waiver. Never played in a game. He came in with uh, Caleb Asbury. So you're you're also recruiting players that don't even have eligibility at this point. Uh, M A Moncrief. Remember him? I do. Canada. Uh, transferred to Georgia, playing very little. Uh, Bernard Kuma, I believe, exhausted his eligibility, uh, but I'm not certain on that. 
Big Burn. That's the uh, that's the founder, or I guess who Mike Boynton was speaking to in the "We don't like them" quote was Big Burn. Yeah, Maurice and then Maurice Kalu, who we all remember was kicked off the team, played against them in the tournament for Oregon State. So, and here's some other transfers: Mike Cunningham. Remember Mike, my dad's name? Uh, no. There was a Mike Cunningham on the team for about seven, ten, seven games, something like that. Transferred, didn't finish his career. Curtis Jones didn't finish. Transfer. Woody Newton didn't f- finish. Transfer. By my count, Colby, uh, I'd have to go back. I I don't think Bernard Kuma finished his career at Oklahoma State. So by my count, only two players that Mike Boynton brought in finished their career at Oklahoma State since he's been the head coach. You can and you can throw in just for clarity's sake, Kendall Smith played one year at OSU. He was a one-year guy. He was a fifth-year senior. It was a one-year deal in Mike Boynton's first season. I don't count him. Just for clarity's sake, though, Kendall Smith did finish his career at Oklahoma State. By my count, it's Bryce Williams and Isaac Likely. And by the way, Isaac Likely got the COVID year and decided to finish his final eligibility season at Ohio State. But he did exhaust his full eligibility without COVID at Oklahoma State. So, Colby, two players in seven years – and I'm including transfers in this. These guys only have to play for four years. Have finished their career at Oklahoma State that Mike Boyne has brought in, by my count. I could be wrong, because to even find some of these names, you got to go deep into the pistols firing archives. I, and I did. Spent a long time today. So this is the reason you haven't won, Mike Boynton, is you have shown no ability to build a roster and sustain a roster pre-NIL. 99% of these guys are pre-NIL. I didn't bring up the guys he mentioned and Tyreek Smith, the dudes who went to TCU. You've had a problem retaining rosters well before NAL, and that's why you're not winning basketball games on top of your coaching ability. Yeah, I I think it's one factor, and I think everything you listed there, totally valid. He's not done a good job at retaining um, his players. I I do think that while I I agree this came off as excuse-making, I think some of the numbers that he actually dished out were very interesting. And I do think budgets matter, but I do think they've lost games because of late-game scenarios in which um, he didn't call a timeout. You know, the Baylor game early in the, in the conference schedule this year and then the Oklahoma game, driving inside with four seconds left and you're down by three. Just, just really bad things happening at the end of games that you can point toward coaching and guys not being prepared. Um I think if I'm laying out reasons Oklahoma State has not been successful on the court during Mike Boynton's tenure, there's a list of them. And I think everything you just listed is there. Player retention, guys not finishing their careers at Oklahoma State. I think that is certainly there. Um, It's been hard to really fall in love with these teams outside the Cade year, obviously, because you had the number one player in the draft. But other than that, Every year, it's getting to know an entire new roster. Um, Every year for for Mike Boynton, that's getting to know an entire new roster because guys aren't staying at Oklahoma State. So that's certainly a reason. Um, I do think the stuff from the NCAA is a reason. I I think that that hampered what he could do early on uh, and in the middle of his tenure at Oklahoma State. I do think that the basketball budget is a reason. Uh, You know, Bill Haston talks in the Tulsa World column that he wrote. You look out the window and another renovation is coming to Boone Pickens Stadium, which which harkens back to a conversation you and I had Wednesday. And I sat here on Wednesday and I said, look, I am okay with more of these resources going toward football because football is on a high right now. We're all loving it. We're riding that wave. And if basketball suffers a little bit, that that's just kind of is what it is. Um, so I do think that there are some valid reasons 
outside of his control with, with the budget and with the NCAA stuff as to why he's lost. I also think that he has been a part of it. And I don't think that going to the media at this point to give all the reasons to give all the excuses, um, like the NIL stuff, the numbers talking about six programs in the big 12 have 2 million or more for NIL another what three to four have between a million and two for NIL and Oklahoma state's total basketball budget for the year is half a million dollars. Like some of the numbers that he laid out, those are things we didn't know, but this other stuff we know, like we know, Mike, we, we know things haven't always been great, but we know, um, the talent hasn't always stuck around. He talks about, um, Tyreek Smith wants to stay at Oklahoma State, can't outbid SMU. That's tough. He talks about TCU using Oklahoma State as a recruiting ground, just coming and getting Rondell Walker, just coming and getting Avery Anderson in back-to-back seasons. That's tough. I, I just don't think that going to the media in the middle of the season is the way to handle it, and I think it's emblematic of a coach who's feeling the pressure, who is hearing the outside noise, the stuff that coaches say that they block out. I, I think he's blocked it out for a while. And I think he let it get to him. And I, I just think it was a big mistake to call it the Tulsa world. I think it was a big mistake to air all this out publicly. And I don't know what happens from here, whether this impacts the administration's uh, commitment to basketball and spending in basketball, how this impacts his job status. Um, because I, I just have no idea how the administration is going to receive all of these things being made public. Um, and the coach just putting it all on display for everyone to see. Well, to me, it sounds like a coach who knows he's not getting fired, or I don't. I don't think he put this out there. And again, I I appreciate candidness. I I I'm not going to sit here and criticize him, you know, wholly for saying what's on his mind because I want coaches to do that. I'm tired of coach speak, as we all are. I commend him for you know laying it out there, and I do sympathize with the fact that you know if these numbers are true that OSU has is dead last in NIL. That that certainly is a factor. But to make that kind of the reason you haven't succeeded in your tenure is is going too far for me. And again, I, I don't mean to beat up on all the players I mentioned, but when I'm asked to evaluate why Oklahoma State basketball is not winning, that is reason number two behind Mike's own coaching ability, in my opinion, is his ability to build a roster, his ability to recruit a roster, his ability to evaluate talent that can stick on a roster. Because all these guys that have left have done nothing. So that's that's a talent evaluation problem too. And, and in terms of NIL, which... Carson, they need shooters. Baylor's got five guys shooting forty plus percent from three. Oklahoma State hasn't been able to shoot the ball in a decade. He he can't get shooters in um, who can effectively space the floor. It's been an unbelievable problem under Coach Point. Yeah, offensively inept has been the hallmark of his program too. In terms of in, in addition to the the clutch scoring droughts they have in clutch time, the last five six minutes. And and let let's talk about the NIL stuff. Like, can Mike reasonably expect? big money boosters to fund, to pump money into this basketball program based on what they've seen for the past seven years. Uh, Marshall, his take on it was pretty much, you know, the chicken and the egg scenario. Uh, are they dead last in IL because OSU's broke or is it because a lack of interest? Uh, I think that's a legitimate question for me. And, and while we're on the topic, Mike Gundy has put out there, you know, Texas and Oklahoma have more money than them. He hasn't blamed wins and losses on the fact that OSU has the lowest recruiting budget in the country, or, or at least in the Big 12. I don't know about the country, but certainly in the Big 12. So I, those are two items that, that stick out to me when, when discussing NIL and OSU. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Oklahoma State is not Texas A&M or Ohio State 
um, even Oklahoma, Alabama, Texas, all these schools, USC, these schools that have money to just dish out all over the place. Oklahoma State is a place where you have to decide how you're spending the dollars that you have. And right now, the dollars are being spent on football. And quite frankly, I'm okay with the dollars being spent on football. And I, I hate that the basketball program is down right now. But if that's the cost of football being where it's at, then it's a cost I'm willing to pay. And um, and that's not fun for Mike Boynton. And that's not fun for for the Oklahoma State basketball program and those players that they're not getting the investment, the financial investment that football's getting, but they're winning games and boom, pick stadium is packed and it's fun and it's awesome. And everybody loves it right now. And if you're telling me that you can spend money on um, Rashad Owens and Ollie Gordon and Brennan Presley and those five offensive linemen, you can spend money on all those guys, or we can go try to spend money to bring three high level basketball recruits in and, um, do all these different things to, to get the basketball program back up with no promise that there's going to be success on the other side of it. You're going to spend the money on the football guys. And, and I think one thing that, that Mike Boynton ran into here, you know, he had the quote where he said, you can bring in Billy Donovan or Phil Jackson or whoever. If you're not able to acquire the talent, you're not going to be able to win. The, the problem with that statement is that he's listing some of the most accomplished coaches of all time. And Mike Boynton is seven years into his head coaching career. And he is, a woefully unproven head coach. So when you're referencing the greatest coaches of all time and saying, well, they couldn't win with the hand I'm being dealt. Well, how do we know that you're an unproven head coach and they've got long lists of success everywhere they've been. So um, I I just, again, this doesn't like overall change my opinion of Mike Boynton. I'm not sitting here going to start crushing the guy. Now I, I still think that he's an incredible ambassador for the university. And I understand why now he felt the need to speak his mind because the noise is as loud as it has ever been. But I, I just felt like this was such a deviation from his entire tenure at Oklahoma state. And, and I don't know if you felt this way, Carson, but like, Every time he gets to the podium, every time these negative things are written, he just, the exact right thing comes out of his mouth. We stay the course. We do all these different things. And I just felt like for once, the frustration boiled over. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to defend myself. And I'm going to tell my side of the story publicly. And I, I think as a coach, you're just better off to do what he's been doing, which is just continue saying the right thing, plodding along, having the, the big time conversations behind closed doors and hoping that things change and get better. Um, Cause I don't, I don't know that this is going to be a, a big win for him doing this publicly unless he keeps his job and they start spending a lot more money, in which case we can look back with hindsight and say, Hey, good for Boynton for lighting a fire unknown. But I, I don't know if that's the direction this is going to go. Well, and would you, would you even say OSU has been devoid of talent? I just listed all the guys that have flamed out, but, Eh. Eric Daly, everyone in the country wanted him. Brandon Garrison, everyone in the country wanted him. Bryce Thompson, everyone in the country wanted him. The Boone Twins, half the people in the country wanted them. Like, yes, he hasn't had the depth. Uh, It's been very Travis Fordian and all these names I listed that have not even come close to finishing their eligibility at Oklahoma State. But let's not sit here and pretend like his hands have been tied behind his back either. He's done a good job recruiting talented basketball players. And what what does he have to show for it? He has one NCAA tournament win, uh, one NCAA appearance to show for it. Uh, I don't, I don't buy this notion that he just can't even acquire talent because he's shown that he can. That's a testament. That's been his number one attribute. Has been recruiting. When you look at it on its entire surface, I, I was just going over the guys that have flamed out and why that's been such an issue to to maintain any sort of consistency as a head coach. Yeah, you're you're not wrong, and I think the big problem is that he's been able to recruit a lot of really good basketball players. Um, 
that are all six foot eight with length and can't shoot. And there's only so many of those guys that you can put on the floor. I mean, M.A. Moncrief was that guy, right? He was six eight, can't shoot. Um, Daly and Garrison, really good, promising young players. They're big men. They can't shoot. Bryce Thompson comes over. He, he's very average to below average shooter. Like, uh, again, in modern basketball, Steph Curry changed the way basketball is going to be played forever. Uh, unless they start running the three-point line into the sidelines and taking the corner three away. We're never going back to an area, to an era of uh, grinding in the paint and doing those things. You've got to have guys who can space the floor. It's why Scott Drew has been so successful. Kansas always has shooters. Um, Texas Tech seemingly has shooters around the perimeter at all times. Even BYU is a program that has historically had shooters. Mike Boynton has not recruited shooters. And shooting coaches, whatever they're doing, they have not... um, Developed shooters, they're always, always among the bottom of the Big 12 in free throw shooting and three-point shooting. Um, yeah, he, he's he's had talent, I think, Carson. I just think he's had it at the wrong places for the modern game. You've got to have guys who can shoot, and he just has consistently not had that. Yeah, I, I would agree. Again, he's had three McDonald's All-Americans, number 10 recruiting class the past year, and number 13 in 2020. So. Uh, any other thoughts? We got some Twitter questions. Any other things stick out to you from Mike Boynton? Yeah, I just again, I, I hope that um, I'd be very curious to know how this is being received by the players and in the locker room. There, there's still a good bit of season left, and you want to finish this season on with some momentum, and you want to be able to keep your core of really talented young guys together. And I think it's a tough look whenever you're going out to the media and you're saying, look, I really want to win, but we need to spend more money so we can have better players so we can compete. Even if that's the case, you come out and say it out loud to the whole world. I think that's tough in in the locker room. So I think, I think that to me is a bigger criticism that I would have over his quotes than talking about the budget and things of that nature. Um, The budget I think is a, a valid excuse, even if it's not one that should be said out loud, but I think it's, it's really hard whenever you start start talking specifically about the talent and not making a, a strategy change to go recruit lower schools. You, you've got a bunch of guys who need to play hard for you tomorrow. So I hope that he's got the right things to say inside that locker room and that Oklahoma State is able to do some things tomorrow against BYU. Yeah, and again, I, I appreciate Mike's transparency. I, I appreciate his candidness. I just, I, I agree. I think it's a, it's a tough look. And I think it it's similar to complaining to your boss that you're not you're not completing your tasks that you're charged with because you don't have you know what you deem enough resources that that's not going to fly with anybody's boss um so that's that's why i think it's a tough look but again i i i will i do empathize with the fact that osu does not have the funds that seemingly other schools do like colby how how in the hell does tcu have more nil money than than uh, Oklahoma State. Is it just those those wealthy boosters that live there in Fort Worth? Is that what it is? The private school boosters? Yeah, I guess. And and I will say, um, while I don't think some of the things that he said were great, I love the fact that we have some inside info, like the, the, the bit about Tyreek Smith coming to his office three times and asking, what can y'all do for me? And we couldn't do more than SMU, so we lose him to SMU. The fact that TCU just uses Oklahoma State's roster to recruit. Oh, Rondell Walker had a good year. Yeah, we'll take him. Oh, Avery Anderson, really good scorer. Guard, yeah, okay, we'll take him. Um, a couple of those things that he said I, I thought were really insightful as to like, okay, I understand football's up right now. The money's being spent here. I'm okay with that. But the trade-off is TCU gets to use your basketball program to recruit, and that is tough. So um, 
Yeah, I, I don't think that this situation is totally black and white. I think that there's a lot of gray, and my biggest problems are are the quotes about um, the lack of, of talent specifically this year midseason. But the other stuff that he said about the budget and other schools just recruiting off their roster, that, that stuff is a real concern if, if that's any kind of long-term problem because if you just lose your best players every year, you're never going to be able to build a, a really good, successful, sustainable winning program. Yeah, that's true, and that that is a concern. And I, I do think Mike brought up some valid points with with NIL. It's just um, you got to win. Like <laughs> we can talk about all the excuses in the world. You got you got to win basketball games, and he hasn't done a good enough job doing that. Uh, let's get to some Twitter questions. I really enjoyed this one from Caden McFarlane. It's one I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, my friend from Channel 2 up there in Tulsa, he says, have the last 20 years changed your expectations for and what in view of what kind of job OSU basketball is? Uh, I got to say it has. And I, I didn't feel this way just even two, three, four years ago. I've always been of the opinion that you get the right coach in there, you're going to win big. I mean, we've seen it with when Underwood got things rolling, when Mike Wing got things rolling, that place started to fill up. And OSU basketball fans are 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 tried and true. And they just need a glimmer of hope. And I used to rank it pretty high amongst the Big 12 rankings. Um, I think this NIL stuff has 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 shaken my confidence. And you just you look at a 20-year sample size. Uh, the, the only thing that makes me pause and say if my opinion's changed of what OSU basketball is as a job is look at a place like Texas Tech. Hadn't done anything my entire lifetime. They hire the right coach, Chris Beard. They already had a really nice arena. That place turned into an absolute fire pit for teams to go into. And that's a, that's a program that has done very little other than Bob Knight in my entire lifetime. So I, while I am down on what OSU is as a basketball job, it can be, you know, Texas Tech played for national championship. I mean, are we going to sit here and say that Texas Tech it, overall is a better basketball program than Oklahoma State? It probably is. It is today. But over, you know, the long run, I, I can't say that. So I... That's where I'm at, Colby. I'm, I'm torn, but my confidence is severely shaken in what OSU basketball is and what the expectations should be. Uh, yeah, my confidence and expectations, I think, are a little more than shaken. I think they might even be broken because I don't think that what you've done historically and I don't think that what Oklahoma State accomplished in old Gallagher and under Eddie Sutton, uh, I, don't, I don't think that that stuff matters a lick in the modern era. L let's just go down right now and I ask you, these jobs are all open going into next season. Is this a better or a worse job than the Oklahoma State job? Iowa State. Better. Houston. Better. Baylor. Better. Texas Tech. I'll say even. I think they're very similar. I think Texas Tech is is a better job in 2024. Um, but but I understand where you're coming from there. Kansas, better, obviously. Yeah. Uh, BYU. Better. They've been, they've been good over the last 20 years. TCU. I can't, I can't go that far. I know they hired Jamie Dixon, but you see that little high school gym they play in? I'm sorry. I can't go that far. Nope. Okay, fair enough. OU. Unequivocally, yes, despite playing in that band box of an arena. Texas. Yes. Kansas State. Tie. Okay. Yeah. And then the other just Cincinnati, UCF, West Virginia. And, um, and Kansas State was laughable when I was a kid growing up. Like we used to laugh at K State when they came to Stillwater. That's just, that's how far things have fallen. And, and maybe, maybe Eddie was just the miracle man. You know, maybe it, it's certainly proving to be that way. Him and, him and Coach Iba are the outliers, not the norm. So that is off the top of my head, looking at the list right here, 
that would put Oklahoma State somewhere between, I think, 9 and 11 right now in terms of jobs in the Big 12 Conference. And I think that that's about where Oklahoma State belongs right now. Um, the the fan base excitement isn't there. The resource um, allocation from the university and the administration is not there. It's just um, it was a good job a long time ago. Right now, I don't think it is. I hope at some point in the next five to ten years it will be again. Yeah, I just that's the thing about college basketball. What what does it really take? I mean, it, it literally just takes some results. Again, we saw that with Underwood. We saw that with Boynton. Uh, Texas Tech is a perfect example. They've had that arena for a long time. Started getting results. Boom. All of a sudden, Chris Beard's getting dudes. They're going to the national championship game. Like, it doesn't take a whole lot in basketball versus football. Yeah, I agree. I I, I also think that things just totally changed with NIL, and it, it takes money yeah, now. That's the, that's the thing. <laughs> We're living, it's like, you know, how some of these video games, um, the more money you spend, the more cool things you can get and the easier it is to win on these video games. If you're willing to pay to play, that's college sports. Now it's, it's a pay to play business. Yeah. Along those lines, our friend Nolan Cox, uh, older brother of Mason Cox says, what does the state of college basketball look like in five years with the player turnover, largely due to NIL lack of high end talent with high school slash blue chippers going to the G league or overseas, et cetera. I've never been less interested. Does it get worse or does it get better? And that's kind of where I've landed on men's college basketball. I think you look at just this year in particular, I think there might be more excitement for the women's tournament this year than the men's. When you talk about the entire national landscape, when you got Caitlin Clark leading sports center last night, uh, I think it's going to get worse with NIL due to the lack of, you know, comprehension or uh, lack of cohesion amongst rosters. And I think that's why you don't see NIL funds being dumped into it. The 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 interest in college basketball has never been lower, and I think NIL is only going to hurt that further. Uh, yeah, I don't know that it does get better because where are the stars, right? It's like you just said, they're on the women's side. That's where the stars are, um, and there's a lot of things that go into that, but men's college basketball doesn't have stars. It doesn't have people. Uh, it doesn't have players that people need to tune in and see. It, it's just you root for your team, And otherwise, college basketball has kind of become a dud. And it comes at a time, Carson, where I think you're seeing a lot of other college sports flourish and get bigger and grow in interest. Um, I know football, obviously, college football just continues to explode. Football is just a behemoth in this country. And college football is right there riding that wave. Women's college basketball is, I mean... Oh my God, the, the the eruption that we've seen in women's college basketball over even just like the last five years, it is a more compelling product right now than men's college basketball in the tournament because they have superstars. They have Caitlin Clark. They have Angel Reese. Um, they have a, a serious villain in Kim Mulkey that everyone wants to root against. Like there are legitimate storylines on that side. I think college baseball with the College World Series uh, and, and more access to be able to watch games is growing. I think college golf with everything Golf Channel's doing to tell by more of those events is growing. We've seen the explosion of college softball. Um, yeah, it, it's just, I think college sports as a whole are growing and gaining interest. And I think that if you're looking for some stock to go down so that others can go up, it's men's college basketball that is hurting. And I, I don't know what changes that because superstars are what gets everyone to watch. And there are no superstars anymore in college basketball. It's, it's weird. Yeah, I agree. I think, just look at college softball. Popularity is exploding there. Uh, I think that that's a good juxtaposition there. Um, a lot of questions about Mike Boyne. We answered a lot of them in terms of, you know, does this 
does this hurt his image? I think it it's not a great look. I think you're having trouble getting people to show up as it is. Um, let's see. Any of these stick out to you? Um, uh, I, I do think that, I mean, obviously you sent this out about basketball and I do think that the guy that asked about Casey Dunn today, uh, Hayden, I, we don't even need to get into it. I just found it hilarious when I'm scrolling through a list of 25 Mike Boynton questions. And then this one guy is like, what's Casey Dunn doing with this play calling? I just, I got <laughs> out of that. Hey, that's what happens when you're football school, baby. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Uh, oh, oh, how about the question of what do you make of Mike Boynton's comments yesterday? Well, that's the entire reason of the the podcast. Yes. Um, oh, I, I do think here, um, Vaclav Taylor, doesn't Boynton have a point? Tyreek Smith would help this team defensively, and Avery Anderson would provide better guard play than we've seen despite the offensive issues. Isn't it reasonable, reasonable to agree that OSU needs to get better about basketball NIL before sacking coaches? I think we touched on that a little bit, but yes, I do think Mike Boynton has a point. I also think that there's a time and a place and a way to handle these things. And I don't know that going to the media midseason um, because of an article in the Tulsa world is the way to do it. I, I think that these are things that mostly need to be handled behind closed doors, even though I love having the information and the content that comes from it. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a fair point in the last year or two. But we're talking about, again, a seven year sample size. He's had a, nearly two full recruiting cycles. And he's had what two players that I mentioned finish their eligibility at Oklahoma State. That's just that's ridiculous. Uh, that's a way bigger issue than the last two years of NIL, essentially. Uh, why doesn't Chad Weiber care about basketball? I think that's a foolish question. Uh, if you know his history, his family history, uh, Chad Weiber's got big decisions to make, and I think it's pretty telling with these quotes and just doesn't appear to me, Colby, that the funding's there to 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 fire Mike Boynton. I don't think it makes financial sense. Uh, he's well-liked. Um, oh, she was kind of stuck is the best way to put it. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, and somebody asked here, what's next for basketball? Honestly, where do we go from here? I, I don't know where you're feeling right now. I feel like I've gone back and forth on this a couple of weeks ago. I didn't think Boynton would be retained. The more I think about it, the more I think that that's $7 million that you'd be spending on a basketball coach to not coach. And that particular coach just laid out for us how much Oklahoma State's not spending on basketball. I don't know. I, I kind of expect Mike Boynton to be back next year. Um, and hopefully they can keep at least Eric Daly, Brandon Garrison, Javon Small, like some of the key guys to try to run this back and start winning some of these close games. Um, but I, I don't, I, I don't know that they let him go at this point. It's it's too much money for a sport where you're not allocating any. So I I would expect him to be back. Yep, I do too. So God, real quick, I kept reading in this question past the initial part. Um, oh man, he asked if we're in the Nebraska of men's basketball. <laughs> the basketball version as opposed to Nebraska football. Yeah. Woo. Um, well, I don't know. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, Oklahoma state basketball has become completely irrelevant, much like Nebraska football. So I don't think it's the worst analogy. Yeah. That's as much as I want to think about us being Nebraska football in anything on a Friday. Let's move on. Yeah. Well, I got to run Colby. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I don't believe so. I, I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, I really hope that they play well tomorrow against BYU and I'll be curious what Mike Boynton says the next time that he steps to the podium. I'm, I'm sure we'll have plenty to say, uh, about whatever comes next on next week's pod. Yep. Thank you for tuning into the emergency pod brought to you by Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. You know, Chris's, you know where to shop. We appreciate them. Uh, we'll give our yingling toast of the week uh, next time we record. So thanks everyone for tuning in. And, uh, as Colby likes to say, go folks.